Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and importantly some of your very own personal stories. I want to thank you for being part of Mike's Open Journal as guests, as visitors, as speakers, as listeners. Welcome to the world of mental health. And remember, you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome to episode 132. Uh, Thank you so much for continuing to download, subscribe, doing all that awesome, amazing podcasting stuff. It's absolutely great to have you here once again. Um, I hope you've had a good week. I hope your day's going well, uh, whatever you're doing. Today, I am delighted to be joined by another new guest. We've got Bobby on the podcast from the Mental Podcast. Uh, so Bobby has his own podcast. You might have seen or heard of it before. Uh, so it's really interesting to have the opportunity to sit down, chat with Bobby, hear a bit more about his story as well. We did do a little bit of a podcast swap. So coming out uh, the same week as this episode, Bobby has uh, an episode where I go on to the mental podcast and I'm a guest over there. So we did a little bit of a kind of a story or experience swap, which is really nice. I think it, it's a really nice side to that kind of mental health podcasting community. Uh, and kind of in that vein, uh, we will uh, also be joined by Matt and Wes in the next episode. So in episode 133, Matt and Wes are back um, from Audio Rising and from beyond your past so we're going to sit down and discuss another topic in the next episode so I'm really looking forward to that and chatting to Bobby kind of really reminded me of the awesome work that so many people are doing around mental health and podcasting and there's a a range of different options now I guess uh, as to what you want to listen to there are kind of story sharing podcasts there are discussion and topic-based podcasts there are some that have 20 minute episodes and some have an hour two hours I've seen a couple that are three Um, so there's a real range and I think that's awesome for you guys as listeners to have that choice 
to be able to be part of mental health conversations and to have the option as to what works for you, what you like. Um, and, and yeah, it's just awesome. I think so much of, of what I do and what I'm passionate about is encouraging people to have conversations, to feel able to talk and, and be able to listen and to hear as well. So to see more podcasts growing uh, and producing mental health related content is absolutely amazing. So make sure you look out for that next episode. So 133 with Matt and Wes and then obviously the awesomeness that is Bobby Temps is here for this episode. So I'm going to roll into his story very, very soon. Um, first up, I just wanted to re-mention that you can go over to Bobby's podcast, so the mental podcast, uh, and listen to the episode where I will be the guest, which will be coming out the same week as this episode. Um, so you can check them on a range of different places. Uh, but the best place to go is have a look at their website, which is mentalpodcast.co.uk, where there is also a link to the petition that Bobby has going at the moment. So there's some really cool stuff going up um, onto the website um, and some really important information, topics and campaigns as well. So do make sure you go over to the website and check that out. But for now, I'm going to drop you guys, as always, straight in. I don't know why I say straight in, because it never is straight in. It's about five minutes of me waffling and giving you some other chat um, before. But I am going to drop you now into um, our conversation from about a week ago now. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And as always, remember, you're not alone out there. So I usually try and start off um, the... well for the the last few podcasts now I was trying to start off just with a nice open question that I think often we kind of don't ask people in a very genuine way of how's your day gone uh, my day's been good yeah it's uh, um, obviously we're speaking on a podcast recording day so mm. when I record a podcast we usually do two or three back to back so that can be pretty exhausting so I'm still running on the adrenaline for now and then at the end of this recording, <laughs> I will probably curl up into a ball and need to watch TV for four hours to recover. But for now, I'm okay. I do. I like that there's kind of that self-enforced self-care at the end of it. Like, <laughs> I will not be in my best state, but I will be looking after myself with TV. Yeah, I mean, I've had it where people have, because we normally do the recordings on Monday, so I'm in a kind of routine with it. And I've had it where friends have tried to schedule like a meal or something afterwards. And I'm like, that's fine. I will have nothing to say, though. Just just to let you know, I will be all out of emotional content. I have had. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to be more like you. Essentially, I'm, I'm trying to get into the stage where I have uh, like one evening a week, and that can either be a, like a Monday or a Wednesday. But I'm just keeping it to those two days or those two evenings now, um, because I've kind of just been. Oh, whenever I've got time and the other person's got time, let's do it then. Uh, but it just makes your week so kind of chaotic, and you don't really ever have time blocked out in your mind you're like ah, oh, I just want to get to the stage where it's like right that day is for podcasting and recording and the other days are to do other stuff um, and not get caught up in the odd times that I've had where um, you have like certain weeks where you end up recording like three or four episodes mm-hmm. and I'm just like I have it's too much it's you get to a stage where you are a bit run down on them I think right 
And stop me if this sounds too meta, but I find that it's really important for me to take the time to prep, Mm. to get into the right kind of relaxed emotional space to record an episode, because the only sort of justification for that I can think of is that we still live in a very stigmatized world when it comes to mental health. And so for a lot of the time, a lot of the spaces we find ourselves in, the default is not to talk about Mm. these kind of things going on for us so I almost need like a morning to kind of mentally prep and go through all the research for the episodes we've done and just get into the right mind frame to be that open and Mm. um, really kind of sit in the conversations that we don't have enough in society I know it's definitely that that mindset takes a little bit to get into um, and I do find, I don't know if I, I, well, I definitely haven't done this on purpose, but I do find that I will, I've, I've got this kind of crappy stool that I sit on, but it's like my thinking stool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's very much become kind of, I like get out the, the, the stool, sit on that, get ready for your podcast. Cause it just feels like the time that I sit on this actually is time to sit down and have the conversations and. I really should have picked a more comfortable stool for this to be the stool. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, I'm sat down, I'm, in, I'm on the stool, I now know that I'm going to sit down and like have some cool conversations. Um, and that's like the physical side, I guess, to kind of get... I think that's really good. It, it sounds almost like neuro-linguistic programming, that you've programmed your mind, that when you sit down mm. there, you're putting yourself in a kind of emotional space. Yeah. It's like habitualizing that experience because i think it it can be tricky to um to step into a really non-judgmental space Mm. um but that's that's what we need for this kind of yeah and it's it's having that i guess the like you say this it's the not just having the conversation but being able to be relaxed and kind of um like respect the story that you're hearing but also enjoy the conversation as well um and there is an element that kind of we're both aware as like a as a host that there are certain things that you've got to try and keep to and if you've got a topic that you want to keep to but yeah actually it's just enjoying the conversation and, and trying to do that as much as possible um and making a space that's not just comfortable for the guest but for you as well and I think that yeah probably undersold a lot of the time yeah it's really important. I think this is pretty universal when it comes to any kind of mental health work. Mm. You have to force yourself to be so emotionally aware. Yeah. You've got to keep checking in with yourself and make sure you're okay because otherwise you can easily respond to somebody in a less than ideal way. Mm. Or, you know, they they may talk about... I'm going to compare it to counselling. I'm obviously not a counsellor, but... Um, for a lot of people, you sorry, in counselling, it's really important to get an idea, and it's a big part of the training process for that, for people to get an idea of their own space and their own experiences. So when they're then sat with a client and a client tells them something, they can tell the difference between empathising with the client and the client saying something that reminds them of some trauma they've experienced mm. it's really important to have the awareness that um you're not going to react to something the client said in the wrong way because you've got distracted by your own emotions yeah 
And luckily, we don't have to do that to quite an extent. Mm. Um, but there is still an element of that that comes into having appropriate mental health conversations. Yeah, I think it's a, a big part of... Um, oh, I can't remember who I was talking to recently. And we were saying about the that side of being the listener, I guess, in the conversation. Um, and sort of saying it it is it should be it is um okay for whatever you hear to affect you like if someone that you love tells you that they've been struggling with thoughts of self-harm that's going to be really hard to hear um and that doesn't shouldn't um take away from the person's struggle the struggle that they have with those thoughts and, and those emotions and whatever's going on for them um, it doesn't take away from them to sort of say, actually, that's going to affect me as well. Like, it's going to affect me to hear that. It's going to affect me to know that about you. But that's part of the the relationship. It's part of understanding that um, while this is uh, an illness that you have kind of ownership over, it is going to impact on the people around you as well. And it's it's that kind of... It's that side of the the conversation, I guess, that we're we're starting to have. I think it's still uh, it's still kind of frowned upon. Like if I say, "Oh, that's quite hard for me to hear," or I now need to, I don't know, have some support for myself because I've heard that. Um, I think people are still very wary of saying that because they think, "Oh, well, that person's now not going to talk to you um, mm. because they're going to worry about that." And again, I'd say it's, it's building up that rapport and that understanding that, yeah. It is going to be hard to hear that, but it doesn't mean that they don't want to or that they're not able to hear that. Um, it's getting used to it. It's new conversations that we we haven't had. Like the first time right. you drove a car, did you know what all the stuff did? Did you know how to talk about it? I definitely didn't. Um, it's, oh, it's... I mean, I wrote off driving because I'm so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's a good example <laughs> it's just yeah it's that side of like look you don't know until you until you get involved so yeah and to bring it back to your metaphor that's okay too mm. some some things can be too much for you mm. and i've learned through personal relationships i've had that there's certain conditions that i find it really difficult to be around so for example with me having anorexia I don't think it would be healthy for me at this point in my life mm. to be in a relationship with someone also dealing with that condition mm. because it's still something I'm very much working on and actually being around it as much as you would be being in a particularly a relationship where you live with somebody yeah. may be more than I can handle at that at this point. Mm. And it's important to understand that that's not selfish. Yeah. that you are allowed to look out for your mental health because actually that helps them too. Mm. If it's not healthy for me, it probably wouldn't be healthy for my partner mm. in that situation. And something you mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned the kind of, you didn't call it this, but there is a kind of mental health hierarchy mm. that so often people think, oh, well, they're the one going through the mental illness when they're hearing an experience yeah. and I'm not. And yeah. therefore, I'm not allowed to have feelings about it. Mm. And that's not true in the same way someone having a worse mental illness situation than you, whether it's the same condition or different, mm. if they're currently dealing 
with something more um, life altering at that, that point than you are, that doesn't mean they get to have support and you don't. Yeah. There's, there's not this comparative thing, mm. although many people still think in that way. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. It's the, like the terminology and the language that we use as well, I think, is part of that, isn't it? And we're all, we're all learning how to have these conversations. I don't think any of us is a, uh, an expert at it. Some people have had more than others and have more kind of experience of the conversations and um, are probably more aware just of the fact that actually um, we will all have our own preferences to, to certain phrases or, or ways of thinking, but um, we're all going to process that in a different way. One that I, I've found recently is the, I don't know if you've noticed this, when you kind of mentioned that hierarchy, I've seen that before with certain illnesses, where they talk about mm-hmm. kind of depression right. and anxiety as kind of lesser or more common or less severe. Um, and I've, um, I remember seeing on a presentation, kind of spoke to, to the people that delivered it, and we were talking about, so it said uh, more, what, what was the phrasing? more severe illnesses like schizophrenia and gave another example and at the end I sort of spoke about I said I I understand that some illnesses are more complex we know less about them they are rarer uh, there's less research Um, but I have personally known people that have struggled with and been affected by depression and taken their own lives and so to me I don't understand how another illness could be seen as more severe than that what's more severe than taking your own life that there, there isn't anything um i said but it's it's that language of going actually i can stand up and have this conversation with you because we both clearly had these conversations before we're a bit aware of, of what we're talking about and we have that confidence to engage in that but recognizing that do you know what if someone's going through something and they're talking about their experience let them use whatever words they want to use it really doesn't matter and there's like times and places for stuff as well Right. And I think that's such an important point, because that's exactly what I was thinking of when Mm. you talked about the comparison between different conditions. Depression can kill people. Mm. So there's any condition, any, um, any illness that can kill somebody is severe, in my opinion. There's, there can't be this comparison. And there's so much variation within the conditions, how they affect you, Mm. how severe they are, to what extent external factors are influencing how severe they are. All these things can vary how severe the condition is for you. And for that reason, I don't think they are comparable. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wonder if perhaps, at least in a medical context, this kind of comparison of mental illnesses is a carryover of how people commonly compare physical illnesses. But I can understand that. I can understand that somebody can break an arm Mm. and generally that's less severe than someone breaking a spine. Mm. And of course there are exceptions, but there there can be that clear comparison. Mm. And I wonder if maybe a lot of the way that we talk about mental illness is carried over from a physical illness way of thinking because that's been talked about more and for longer. Mm. But actually... A, it doesn't quite work like that with mental illness, but also B, mental illness by its very nature is in our minds. It's so 
intrinsically a part of our thought processes that you have to therefore be really careful with the kind of language and the kind of comparisons because we can depending on what you're going through mental illness can cause you to be very self-deprecating anyway Mm. and so I'm very aware that for some people that are let's say like you described feeling suicidal Mm. having someone publicly talk about depression not being severe might be enough for them to think you know what I'm not worth the support yeah they might already be having these negative thoughts and something like that could be the final justification they need mm-hmm. to go ahead and take that next step of planning mm. suicide or even just not just not accessing support. support. Yeah, yeah, just hold them back from thinking they're worthy of support mm. because conditions like depression can so frequently tell you you're not worthy. You don't deserve help. You're you're small and you're exaggerating. It can feed these negative thoughts into your mind really constantly. Mm. Um, And so I think there's a responsibility to be careful talking about mental illness in the way that there isn't with some physical illnesses. Definitely. And I think one of the things in there as well is, um, I know we spoke briefly, probably in our last conversation, about um, men's mental health and that side Mm. of, actually it's really difficult for men to come forward and if we're giving them an excuse or a reason not to come forward and saying that actually this isn't that severe, it's not that serious, it's already a battle to get people to come forward. Um, it's almost like an extra excuse, it's an extra reason for them not to um, when we should be encouraging them to come forward at a, a much earlier stage. We should be talking about the kind of the symptoms side more so than the illnesses and say actually, yeah, there's days when you might not feel great and we should be able to talk about that um, and encourage those conversations so it's not like oh my friend has been really low and not coming into work and I'm really worried that whatever could be happening I think I need to sit down and have a conversation with them well yeah fine that's great but wouldn't it have been nice if you were already having that conversation and it was part of your kind of natural rapport with that person yeah absolutely and a lot of this I think comes down to how society frames the different genders, Mm. particularly when it comes to certain supposed assets like strength. Mm. So in a woman, strength is painted as resilience, as coming up against the odds and overcoming them Mm. and becoming, um, and really being an example of someone that can handle a lot of pressures, be them physical, be them emotional, be them in terms of their family, their workplace, juggling all these different elements of life Mm. and succeeding that's where the strength is for women and yet for men strength is very much painted as um something very perfectionist that Mm. you've got to always seem strong you can't show any weakness if you have any emotional or mental health issues you can't show them because they'll compromise your ability to look strong Mm. and it's crazy how we have that weird gender gap that um, I think until we reframe that, toxic masculinity is going to continue. Mm. Because really the way we should look at it, irrespective of gender, is that when it comes to mental health, you going out and getting support for your mental health is a part of your journey towards more strength, towards building your resilience, towards building 
how much you're capable of achieving as an individual mm. and not a lacking of strength mm. that you have mental illness and therefore you're weak and that needs to be fixed or it needs to be hidden it's like actually mental illness can be a part of you building better resilience to becoming a more well-rounded human because you'll learn from that experience just as you learn from a work setback that for some reason men are allowed to talk about problems in the workplace but we're not allowed to talk about problems in ourselves mm. i find that side of um uh while well, stress and anxiety are very different the willingness that we have at the moment like people are kind of prepared to talk about stress and people are prepared to phone up and take time off of work because of stress and uh, not go along to certain activities or events um, and yet our, I still don't think we're there with anxiety which I feel has very similar symptoms at, at stages to um, stress and yet we're so unwilling to say oh it's because of um, anxiety or it's because of depression or it's because of something else um, and it, it's it's that gradual process I think of um, stress we're kind of there with people will talk about that um, I think depression and anxiety are, are slowly, very, very slowly, but there is kind of progress happening. Um, but I think, again, with those more complex illnesses, I, d I don't think a lot has changed. I don't think people feel more able to talk about those. Um, and it, it's it's recognising that there's a journey happening and it's those conversations that we're starting to have which is great, but encouraging more people to have them at an earlier stage as well. Um, yeah. Mm. And I think we're both in the privileged position as people working in the field of mental health and mm. podcasting about it, that people do therefore feel more comfortable opening up to yeah, us. Yeah. Because there's so many times when I've heard friends talk about being stressed in the workplace. And then as soon as I meant to mention anything mental health wise mm. whether they you know i mentioned something about the podcast or i mentioned how um i went through something similar and that really impacted how my depression was yeah then suddenly it gives them the permission to open up and then they switch and then suddenly they stop talking about stress mm. and start using mental health terminology and say mm. well actually i have anxiety and they start then being more open about it yeah so i think we have the privilege of seeing that so often stress in people's lives comes hand in hand with mental suffer. illness yeah. in a way that a lot of people don't see mm. so I guess maybe for now just listeners try and take our word for it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mental health ups and downs are all around us and if you work in an office and you're feeling stressed and other people are feeling stressed mm. you're probably not alone with also dealing with mental illness at some point mm definitely not um so yeah as, as we've mentioned kind of discreetly i think for a couple of parts of the conversation um you you have your own podcast and you mm -hmm. you're involved in lots of different conversations around mental health it'd be interesting to kind of hear a little bit more about kind of your story and where the journey through to where you are now started sure it's it's a funny one to answer because i find my answer changes the more <laughs> yeah. I look back on my own personal history yeah um, which of course is an uncommon so for me now looking back growing up 
um, I was dealing with depression for as long as I can remember. Looking back, I can see that the symptoms were always there. Mm. There were times when I was purposely happy, even at times when supposedly everyone's happy. You're told as a child, like, every child enjoys Christmas, every child loves their birthday, and and I didn't enjoy those things a lot. I was putting on a mask of enjoying them because I didn't want to upset or worry the adults around me. And I didn't realise it at the time, but I was really fighting for myself because I felt very out of place. I never felt that I fitted in and I, I wasn't at all sure that I ever would. Mm. And so I think from a very young age, I realised I would have to be my own ambassador, <laughs> look after myself and find a place in the world that I fitted by engineering it. Mm. Um, far before I was ever self-employed, I think I had an idea that I would have to be mm. because there wasn't ever a job that I looked at and I thought, that's the one for me. Um, I knew that I would have to kind of make my own place in the world to belong. And I don't think I fully thought about it in as much detail at the time, but it still feels like quite an oddly profound way of thinking for a yeah. young kid. But I guess something intrinsically in me, I, I sense that um, there was a lack of acceptance for certain things. And I would only really feel safe existing outside of other people's um, expectations of me. Mm. Um, and so I learned to cover a lot of my concerns up, cover a lot of things that I now know were depression symptoms up. Mm. Um, and then it wasn't until um, years later, um, as a young adult, that I got the diagnosis of depression and it was like a weight lifted off. Mm. Because at that point, I was in quite a bad place at the time. Um, and having that diagnosis was really the key to understanding a lot of my experience growing up. I realised, oh, maybe I am a bit more normal than I think, because suddenly I realised there's a whole swathe of people that have these similar experiences, which mm. I thought were just me. You know, I felt very lonely and isolated growing up, and it wasn't until I got to understand my mental health better that I realised that that was symptoms of a condition that I didn't know about and that so many people have had the same experience as me. It's really interesting hearing that side of um, kind of having the diagnosis as well. Um, uh, again, kind of being in that situation where we've both had conversations with a lot of different people, I think often we hear about that side of... Um, uh, uh, a willingness from usually professionals to avoid that kind of search for a label. Don't know if you've come across that before, and um, I've definitely had that before. Where like, try not to worry about necessarily what's going on, and uh, there's a negative side to labelling. And I'm like, well, actually, for a lot of people, I think it, it gives you context for what's going on. It helps you to understand that, and um, 
I've definitely had the experience before where they sort of said, oh, in regards to your treatment, that wouldn't change um, given the, the additional symptoms that you're mentioning. Um, so when I was diagnosed with depression, I, I um, kind of you go through that treatment process, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still in. Uh, but I think that there are quite clear symptoms of a, another illness that are there um, that's not diagnosed. Um, and when I've kind of brought that up, it's often sort of batted back as a, well, it wouldn't change your treatment. So you, you're searching for a label and you don't need to have that. Um, and I've heard that from a couple of people and I find it a really interesting approach to mental health in that I don't think we would see that around physical health. I don't think if you if um, if you broke one leg and then you broke an arm, they wouldn't t- not tell you about the arm. Um, it just seems like a very interesting way that kind of mental health is approached. And uh, again, that sort right. of side of it, it's new. We're learning about it and um, learning what works for some people. Some people maybe are, you know, um, searching for that identity in their diagnosis. But actually, you've also got some people that just need that context to better understand, to know what kind of treatment is going to work for them and, and what's going on as well. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, like you described there, there still is a lot of symptom. Sorry, there is still a lot of stigma within the medical community. And so it is an odd contrast how being diagnosed with a physical health condition is seen as a a solution, Mm. an answer, whereas so frequently being diagnosed with a mental illness is seen as a problem. Like we've uncovered a problem, not we've uncovered the answer. And that puts it in a really weird context, particularly when our NHS works in a diagnosis first model, Mm. where that means that you have to have the diagnosis to get the support. And yet there's these negative associations with the diagnoses that hold many people back from getting them and create a lot of stigma once you've left the doctor's office. And there's no there's no way that can be reconciled until the stigma is is fixed because it doesn't make sense Mm. um and then just to kind of i guess go back to to your experience there in in terms of uh you spoke about your experience and and how that led to you wanting to kind of create your own environment your own kind of work environment i guess essentially um but how did that environment kind of turn into particularly around the kind of the podcast side and the conversations and support in that way because you could have uh you could have set up yourself to do any type of work even if you decided that you were going to be self-employed and kind of create your own space it could have been anything that you did yeah and um interestingly it actually was i went into um business first and i still run a business alongside the work I do in this. Um, mm. So the mental health stuff really came along because it was something I'd been thinking about for some time. I knew that I had a certain amount of insight on mental health and mental illness, and I wanted to make the most of it. Mm. I wanted to try and turn it into a skill set um, in the way that um, I think I'd done with other things like we mentioned on the episode you did for uh, for my podcast yeah. that um, you have depression, sorry, you mm. have dyslexia. I mm. also have dyslexia. And so 
I'd really worked hard to turn that into a strength. Yeah. Like, how can I use the fact that my brain is a bit more practical mm. and a bit less words based mm. to my advantage? And so that led me down a far more creative route work wise. And so similarly with mental health, it seemed the obvious thing of how can I turn this into a strength? I know there must be uses for the insight that I have. Mm. And so I'd been thinking about doing a mental health podcast for some time. And then it just so happened that I met a really great group of people that now form my team um, all around the same time. And so it just seemed the obvious time to start. Yeah. And I'm really lucky with the support I have to make the podcast that I do. It's something that I've been doing for only um, just under a year now, mm. but I can't imagine not having it. Yeah, It's a wonderful outlet for me, but also it's highlighted a lot of stigma in myself that I didn't realize I had. Mm. You know, I realized that me growing up not feeling able to talk about mental health was very much a reflection of my environment yeah. as well as me. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't until getting into the podcast that I realized I had a certain amount of stigma to break down. Mm. And so I'm so grateful that I've got to do that. You know, I never went into podcasting to help me, but it's it actually really has. And that's that's so lovely. Yeah, it, it is interesting isn't it? as you go along the different things that you pick up. Like I think um, the amount I have learned about yeah. other mental health illnesses um, because people have been prepared to kind of sit and talk about um, their experiences uh, and I think is there any other way obviously I could listen to um, another podcast and hear their conversation but other than that I don't know that I really would ever have been exposed to that previously I would never have that knowledge of of those other illnesses of what it's like to be a person that experiences those symptoms um because those conversations aren't currently had in the open and it is often i think like you mentioned until you open up and then that kind of gives someone permission i guess to talk to you and to also have that open conversation yeah they just don't happen um we and we are slowly um changing people's confidence uh and education around those conversations but it is often i think um it's between friends it's between peers that the conversations um are happening uh and that's really positive and we need to encourage more of that to happen you don't need to be but like we've said we're not professionals mm-hmm. um it's encouraging people to know actually no you can be there you can support someone you can listen to their story you can talk about things that might have been useful or might not have been useful to them um you're not there as a counselor as a therapist you're just there as someone to support and listen and hear their story and that sounds really basic but it's the most important thing and it's the most amazing thing to be able to do for someone as well yeah And that's something that I never saw coming going into this kind of work that I knew the guests would find it valuable to share their experience um, and to maybe, you know, plug a book they're working Mm. on or their blog or whatever it is they have 
um, that they'd love more of an audience for. But I never realized people would find it just so valuable, the simple fact of opening up to me one and one. Yeah. Like I knew that was valuable, but I've, I speak to people who have been speaking up in the mental health sphere for years and even decades, and yet they can still come to me um, and find something so valuable in mm-hmm. sharing. And that's really wonderful to see that you can't, be over listened to you know mm. it, it makes such a big difference to people and I really try and encourage that kind of safe space because I'm aware that it's a lot of responsibility what I do yeah. for many of my listeners who write in it's the one time in their week where they hear a conversation about mental illness mm. they may not hear that anywhere else it's just that podcast mm. and that's so much responsibility to set an appropriate tone and I'm really glad that I've learned to do that so that not only my guests feel really comfortable and, and find it surprisingly <laughs> really therapeutic, despite the fact I'm not a therapist, but also the listeners. It really sets a standard of you can talk about this without judgment. Mm. And the thing that's most wonderful for me to hear is when a listeners listen to an episode and then they've gone on to talk to a friend about something. And it's incredible how many times I hear that experience where they feel empowered to open up to someone in their personal life. And that person has lived through a very similar experience. And neither of them have ever felt comfortable talking about it. But now they have. Now they've made that first step. Mm-hmm. No doubt they'll feel comfortable doing so again and again. And that inspires me every day to hear that what I'm doing can make that kind of impact. Mm. You're almost kind of part of the conversations that you're not part of in a way because you've given the permission, you've given the excuse, the justification, whatever is needed for that conversation to happen in the first place. Um, And that's a really powerful thing to be part of. Yeah, because I'm sure you have the same experience because podcasting is such a privilege. Mm. We're going directly into people's ears, you know, of an evening on their commute to work. We're becoming part of their routine in a way that is at times quite mind boggling. (laughs) I can be part of somebody's Thursday routine because that's where the episode comes out. Mm. Um, And yet I've never met them. But um, it's incredible how... People can build that kind of rapport and feel part of something through listening. And and that's just so inspiring and Mm. so humbling. Um, So we've kind of heard a little bit about how you got into the podcast and the different things that you're doing at the moment. But is there anything in particular that's kind of coming up, uh, I guess, this year that you're really looking forward to? That's uh, kind of something that you're focusing in on soon. Is there a certain... Um, guest or number of episodes or anything like that that you're kind of excited about this year um i i'm actually excited about loads of things so i'm going to quickly list them (laughs) okay (laughs) so our latest episode as of recording this is episode 50 which is super exciting to reach that milestone also this year we're going to start doing live podcast recordings so this will be the first time to get an audience in and and really start a conversation for people in a room Mm. Um, and that's going to be wonderful it's also going to be a little bit surreal to meet people that I've never met before 
but yeah, listen to me every week. Yeah, <laughs> so that's going to be I'm, cool. I'm excited and slightly nervous for that <laughs> experience. Um, also, today the British Podcast Awards entry deadline just went, so mm. we are officially entered into that. And in May, if we're really lucky and successful, we'll, we could even win a podcast award, which would be really wonderful, having only ever been shortlisted in the past. Um, and yeah, they're the main things I'm really excited about. That's cool. It's good to have a couple of different things and um, kind of different time frames in mind as well there. So it's kind of spread out a little bit as well, which is cool. Yeah. And of course, I'm excited for releasing your episode of Mental Podcast in the near future. Yeah, it, feel, it, does, it feels a little bit strange to have sat down and done like the swap around and one be the interviewer and the other one swap around. And it's it's nice. It's it's in, it's like um, uh, a kind of a form of like turn taking as well, isn't it? With the like, oh, I get to sit down and relax and be the the guest now, and I don't have to worry. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed that side of just yeah. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to chat. <laughs> yeah, because I I do that quite a lot because I think it's really important to encourage community when it comes to mental health conversations. Mm. You know, we should never be in a position where it's like oh, I'm not going to go near their podcast because they're a competition. I'm like, no, we've got to concentrate on the bigger goal here, which is reducing stigma. And so I do that quite a lot where I do a podcast swap with another presenter. And it's really lovely and it creates a a connection. They're like a super guest. Mm. And then when it comes to other work I do, we can get each other involved. And that is so important because playing out that kind of community feeling through podcasting is something that people go on to replicate in their own lives. Mm. Um, We, you know, we want to create a friendly open space for mental health conversations because we're trying to set an example for how we want the world to become. And I think it's really interesting because if you've uh, listened to a few different mental health podcasts, they are usually um, like put together in a slightly different way or there's slightly different yeah. conversations that happen um, and it's about finding the one that's right for you and if there's only one or two well they might not be quite in your taste or they might not quite be delivered in a way that kind of suits you and the fact that there are podcasts that deliver sort of 15-20 minute episodes hour episodes I've seen a couple that are longer than that um and it's yeah there's a, a a growing kind of range that also have different areas some have like certain focuses and like you say it's creating that community that there are a range of different um not just hosts but conversations happening uh mm-hmm. and that's really important i think there are um no one's complaining that there are too many um football podcasts or or, or whatever so um, we should be encouraging more to be uh, involved in mental health and well-being um, and a range of different topics as well. So it's cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if people want to find out a little bit more um, from you or, or get in contact or find out about the podcast, where can they do that? Sure. So super easy. All you need to do is go to mentalpodcast.co.uk. And all the links to listen to the podcast, to read about me, to hear about other shows I've been on, anything you want, go there. 
Also, I campaign for mental health education. And so the petition for that, which is now, I think, 192,000 signatures we're up to. Um, so that is also linked on there. If you believe in mental health education, do go ahead and sign that. Mm. That's at the top of the web page as well, isn't it? So you can't miss it if you go onto it. It is. It's on the top right. I yeah. know my website very well. <laughs> I myself. I'm very proud. So it's right there. There's no excuse not to do that. Um, so, yes, thank you so much for for coming on and for sharing your story and your thoughts and um, for having me on your podcast as well. It's been an awesome, I don't know, couple of hours sitting down and chatting now. So, yeah, it's, it's been a, a lovely evening. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been great chatting. No worries, it's been awesome and I look forward to um, both of the episodes going up somewhere soon and, and hopefully everyone enjoys and engages with the, uh, the episodes and the podcasts. These are real people, they do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves, I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, okay, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.